Hello, welcome to Discovering Jazz. My name's Larry Sademan, here in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. Together, we'll discover great music and pick up information to keep all kinds of jazz alive. Sponsored by Peterborough Independent Podcasters. A man considered to be one of the greatest jazz innovators of the last 60 years died last week. I'm talking about saxophonist composer Wayne Shorter. To do a musical tribute to this man in one hour is challenging. He composed so many tunes, put out 29 albums as leader or co-leader, 40 albums of groups that he was part of, and 83 where he's a sideman. And those are just the ones mentioned in Wikipedia's discography. There's no way I'll be able to put together a program that even comes close to being comprehensive. So I'm going to pick and choose just a few recordings that I've discovered. Not necessarily the best or the best known. And I'm going to play them for you. Let's start at the beginning with his first album under his own name recorded in 1959. Appropriately called Introducing Wayne Shorter. It was on VJ Records. Now that's a label that later introduced the Beatles to the U.S., This particular album contained Wayne Shorter originals, none of which really caught on, and one standard. The other musicians were Art Blakey and Miles Davis alumni. That was trumpeter Lee Morgan, pianist Wynton Kelly, bassist Paul Chambers, and drummer Jimmy Cobb. Here's the only non-original from that album, from the Three Penny Opera, Bertolt Brecht and Kurt Weill's Mack the Knife. You can certainly hear the John Coltrane influence in this playing. Thank you. 
Wayne Shorter from his first album from 1959. Now something from one of the last albums in which Wayne Shorter was featured from 2017, just shortly before he retired due to ill health. It was just released on an album last year. It's a live concert from that year's Detroit Jazz Festival. The closing concert was Wayne Shorter with drummer Terry Lynn Carrington, pianist Leo Genovese, and bassist Esperanza Spaulding. Shorter stated regarding that concert, With a mixture of people, male and female, varying ethnicities and backgrounds, sometimes we did things that sound larger than the four of us, with more of an orchestral approach. If there are things going on in the recording that can be heard by people to the extent that it can turn some thoughts around about life and culture, people who hear it may recognize that we are all different and the same. Unquote. The concert was a tribute to the late pianist Jerry Allen. Here is one of Jerry Allen's compositions, Drummer's Song, and while Wayne Shorter's soprano sax doesn't come in until halfway through, when it does, it certainly adds a new level of excitement.
late Wayne Shorter with Terry Lynn Carrington, Leo Genovese, and Esperanza Spalding. Jerry Allen's drummer's song. Let's shift the focus onto Shorter's amazing compositions. I've often talked about the real book, Volume 1, 6th edition, published in 2004, that's used by jazz students and amateur jazz musicians as a guide to how to play some of the most popular jazz tunes during jazz jams. I just counted the number of Wayne Shorter compositions in that book, and it came to 27 out of 400 tunes. That's certainly a lot, especially considering that many of the tunes in there are Broadway standards written by great Broadway composers like Richard Rodgers, Gershwin, Cole Porter, etc. Here's one of my favorites. It's called Yes or No. The title is misprinted in both the original and the revised real books as Yes and No, and some recordings have utilized that title. Yet, Nobody comments on those two different titles, it seems. To me, there's a big difference between saying yes or no and yes and no. Yes or no was the title on the original Juju album, yet Wayne's all-inclusive and let's-explore-all-possibilities philosophy would, I would think, would favor the yes and no title. But that's just me speculating. Remastered from the Juju album of 1964 with McCoy Tyner on piano, Reggie Workman bass, and Elvin Jones drums, and the alto sax of Wayne Shorter.
yes or no, or yes and no. I wonder if there's been any interviews or voice clips where Wayne Shorter talked about that tune and how he titled it. He always took his titles very seriously. Wayne Shorter was a visual artist and a philosopher, as well as a composer and player, and he had a lot to say about his own philosophy of music. For example, an oft-stated quote of his is, Jazz shouldn't have any mandates. Jazz is not supposed to be something that's required to sound like jazz. For me, the word jazz means, I dare you. And that I dare you permeated much of his playing and composing. One pretty out-there album was recorded in 2012, and it was called Without a Net. It featured pianist Danilo Perez, bassist Sean Petitucci, and drummer Brian Blade. Here's a clip from a discussion that he had with saxophonist Joe Lovano in 2013, where he talked about that album, and specifically the track that I'm going to play. I wanted the UFO to be spelled out on uh, on the um, album, you know, the unidentified flying objects are the notes, mm-hmm. and, um, and not to be always identifiable. And um, something that's always identifiable can be give you so many restrictions, mm-hmm. or something that's taken. It's, it's taken for granted when you can identify something that uh, you think is always going to be there.
That's entitled The Notes, Unidentified Flying Object. Wayne Shorter with Danilo Perez, John Patatucci, and Brian Blade from the Without a Net album of 2012. Next, I have a clip of a pianist who loves Wayne Shorter talking about this next tune. Ron Drotos is a pianist and educator who has a series called Journey Through the Real Book, where he talks about and plays each piece in alphabetical order. Here he is, talking about one of the Wayne Shorter compositions, recorded by the Miles Davis Group, where Shorter was a significant member. So Iris, uh, this is from ESP, the first uh, studio album that Wayne recorded with the Miles Davis Quintet. And uh, he plays the melody. It's sort of like a uh, like Wayne Shorter album with Miles soloing afterwards. Think about tunes like this. It's a medium kind of three feel, almost like a abstract kind of waltz. One, two, three. The chords don't move where you think they're going to move. And there are no two five ones. There are things that hint at two five ones. Uh, Wayne, like many composers or jazz musicians in general, or visionaries in any art field, they, they have something that's firmly rooted in the past, but they're doing it in fresh ways or it has the same kind of feeling. But what's going on then? If you listen to them solo on it, these solos aren't um, as traditional. They were really getting away and, and trying, from that and trying to find a new way of approaching a jazz tune. And it seems to me that it's, it's kind of like about the groove as it goes through these different colors. And then they sort of play with the groove. It's like it's like if you're a little kid in a sandbox and, okay, I'm gonna, gonna take this little bit of, of sand and I'm gonna make a, a shape out of it. And this one I'm just gonna sort of play with or rake or something. And this one I'm gonna pour water on and then, you know, make a sand castle or something in a pail. And, um, or mud or something. And that's what they're doing. They're saying like, what's the groove here? Okay, it's gonna be this legato thing. And now I'm gonna be more playful. emphasize the groove more. You can see them, especially Miles in his solo, going through that. It's like, where's the, where's the, the energy here? What, what's it doing? And as opposed to, I'm going to take, you know, one motif and stretch it out and come to a big high point. Here is Iris with Miles Davis on trumpet, Wayne Shorter tenor saxophone, Herbie Hancock on piano, Ron Carter on bass, and Tony Williams drums from the ESP album of 1965.
Iris, Wayne Shorter with Miles Davis from 1965. Moving forward four years to Wayne Shorter's Supernova album, recorded a few days after Bitches Brew and using many of the same musicians, features guitarists John McLaughlin and Sonny Sherrock, Walter Brooker, the bassist, switching to classical guitar for this particular tune, Gingy, and bassist Jack DeJeanette and Miroslav Vitos, and percussionist Aerto. And on this track, Walter Booker's wife, Maria Booker, takes a vocal. This tune was introduced to me by Craig Patterson, who talked about uh, 10 records that inspired him. That was on an early series of uh, Discovering Jazz episodes, uh, episodes 48 and 49, a few years back. This time round, in the middle of the piece, I rudely interrupted with a voiceover by Craig, explaining some of his fascination with that album and with that tune. Gingy, Wayne Shorter. I've always liked his playing. Uh, I don't understand his playing and his music that he's doing now, whatever he is, 80, what is he, 82 or something. He's, he's a very old man now, but still playing with gay abandoned, from what I can see, except he's sitting down these days. Uh, but this album I have on the list is Supernova, which is an old Blue Note. Yeah, it's a Blue Note album from, again, Post Bitches Brew. For Wayne, pre-weather report era, 71, 72, he's playing soprano on it. Again with, you know, Miroslav Vitus and uh, Chick Corea's playing drums. And Jack Dejanet's on it, I think, playing drums. Uh, Tom McLaughlin's playing guitar on it. And it's it's pretty, it's also pretty wild. It's sort of like Bitch's Brew. It's not swing, it doesn't swing. <clears throat> There's a wonderful version of Gingy, the jo- Hobin tune on it with this woman who is the bass player's wife, who's Brazilian, I think, so she's singing it in Portuguese. Um, and she starts crying near the end of it, and then the band comes back in and does this thing. And it's, it's, you know, makes your hair stand on end. And then the band is, and Wayne's playing brilliant soprano solos, and it's a hard album. It's, it's dense, right? Two guitar players in stereo, two drummers in stereo. It's like a lot going on. <laughs> I remember actually when I first got it, I was listening to it at home one day when I was a kid and my mother was there. Uh, and there's this version of Gingy that I was talking about. And it, it starts, and this stuff is going on, and my mother said, that's like, that's like walking through the jungle. I thought, well, no, it's exactly, it sounds exactly like birds and monkeys and sounds of the jungle, all played on, you know, guitar and bass and some percussion stuff. My God, my mother's, my mother's a genius here. I hadn't gotten that, and it's true. It's like you walk through the jungle, this woman starts singing, it's like she's standing in a clearing, and there's a 
you know, a six-string nylon guitar playing along with her. She starts crying in the band, and you sort of walk back into the jungle sound. Soubesses o bem que eu te quero, o mundo seria din-din, tudo din-din, lindo din-din. Ai, din-din, se um dia você.
Wow. Wayne Shorter's version of Gingy from his Supernova album of 1969. Did you know that Wayne Shorter has played on 10 Joni Mitchell albums? The last one was from 2002, her double travelogue album where she redid a number of her songs. This particular tune that I'm going to play is originally from her Mingus album, and Shorter played on that one too. You hear him a lot on this tune on his soprano sax, along with jazz drummer Peter Erskine. God must be a boogeyman. He is three, one's in the middle unmoved. Waiting to show what he sees To the other two To the one attacking So afraid And the one that keeps trying to love and trust And getting himself betrayed In the plan, ooh The divine plan a boogeyman God must be a boogeyman One so sweet So overly loving and gentle He lets people into his innermost Sacred temple Blind faith to care, blind rage to kill. Why do you let them talk them down to cheap work and cheap thrills? In the plan, the insulting plan, God must be a boogeyman. Plan, oh, 
the cockeyed plan God must be a boogeyman Now here's one of Wayne Shorter's most popular compositions from his Native Dancer album of 1975, Beauty and the Beast, where you hear Beauty and the Beast taking turns being in the spotlight. Thank you. 
Beauty and the Beast, Wayne Shorter. With Wayne Shorter again on soprano sax, with Wagner Tiso and Herbie Hancock on pianos, Eerto Moreira on percussion, Jay Graydon bass and drummer Roberto Silver. Time for one more. The most played Wayne Shorter tune of all. You'll hear it at any jazz jam is Footprints. But rather than finish with it, I want to play a vocal version, a tune that was written over Footprints by one of my favorite all-time vocalists, Gene McDaniels, with pianist Ted Brancato. This is from his final album before he passed in 2011. He calls it Kingdom of the Unknown, and it's quite rare. You won't find it on YouTube. And you'll hear a touch more Wayne Shorter next week when I start my three-part series on recently released historical albums and re-releases. This is Larry Sadman saying bye for now. We who find love long for love to last forever Lost in a world filled with convoluted pleasure Love to last forever We all want the keys to the kingdom of the unknown We who fear love create a world of lost confusion longing to capture control of love's illusion search but find confusion seeking control of the kingdom of the unknown looking for love down a road that we all Travel, finding ourselves is the truth we must unravel in hopes of finding the kingdom of the unknown.
forever. Serial monogamy soon becomes the treasure, eluding the keys to the kingdom of the unknown. Eluding the keys to the kingdom of the unknown. Eluding the keys to the kingdom of the unknown.